Okay, welcome to the Peripheral Views Podcast. We're back with another episode tonight. I'm your host, Jake. Errol is with me. What's up, Errol? Oh, nothing much. You know me, I'm always just hanging in there. Hanging in. We got uh, a new episode within the film series tonight we're going to pump out. Um, this one's going to be kind of like a low-key, like uh, this is our entrance into the world of uh, independent film, which is, uh, it's we're talking about Napoleon Dynamite today, so... That's going to be an interesting talk be- on, on behalf of the fact, virtue, you know, on behalf mostly of the fact that it is uh, not a like iconic film, but strangely a culturally impactful one. You know, actually had a pretty big, you know, impact on the culture. But um, we'll get into the details on that. Let's hit the housekeeping stuff. Uh, you know where to find us. We're on X at Peripheral V123. We are on soundcloud.com uh, forward slash peripheral views one, two, three. Uh, throw us in your YouTube search bar, peripheral views podcast. You can find all our content up on YouTube. Um, we are also on the uh, streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just throw us in your search bar. You should be should be able to find us there. Um, and please, if you do, subscribe, rate, and review for us. That's super helpful for our analytics and our development um, as a podcast. Um, we have a website, peripheralviewspodcast.com. All our content also goes up there along with some other good content um, related to the podcast. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, I haven't been hitting this, but I want to make sure I hit it on this episode because we, we do still check this. Um, so for any feedback that you would prefer to reach directly to the Peripheral Views Podcast team, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at peripheralviewspodcast at gmail.com. Um, so that pretty much does it for the housekeeping. We appreciate you guys li- uh, listening and tuning in tonight. Um, our previous episode, Errol, what did we talk about in the previous two episodes? Uh, they were kind of like co co episodes in in a way. Um, we hit the uh, what was it? The top five MSG sports moments, right? Mm-hmm. And then we hit um, we did a little. Oh yeah, that's right. We did a pre uh, two. A UFC 295 preview show, and then we pumped out a post show um, right after the pay per view. And uh, was there any updates, anything new developments in that uh, domain you wanted to touch on, uh, touch on before we move into this episode? Well, I think uh, Aspinall called for John Jones to be stripped of his title. Mm, you're right, he did. Yeah, after that big win uh, last mm-hmm. Saturday. That's um, the thing. When you're the big dog, you can just say shit like that too. You well, be when like, you got when you've got the strap too, and he right. does. I mean, it's 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 kind of a. I, I don't know. I think we even mentioned it. I'd just love to see those. Just just put those two together. Just just let's get Stepe. Stepe, man, listen, great career. Let's just move on. I don't <laughs> want to see. I want to see Jones. <laughs> I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> I mean, no, I wasn't really all that like keen on that fight. Any, I am curious to, to see what the, it was because like, at the at the moment it was like the battle of like the two quote unquote biggest. But then when you see something like that, you can't ignore it. Yeah, you can't I mean, just act like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like well, it's you know people kept disrespecting John Jones. I thought a little in a, in a small way they were like calling the Jones Stipe fight a legends fight, which it is. They are both legends, so like technically it's true. But I also think like did people forget that Jones just like rolled up in there and like literally subbed out the like number one heavyweight contender in the in the world who was like thirty years old in like a like two minutes. That or was however kinda, long it took him. That's kind of scary. That's what I mean. It's like it. Legends fight when people call for when they call a fight a legends fight, it's usually like 
oh, Jim Miller's going to fight Clay Guida, and they're both 40, and they haven't fought for a belt, if, if at all, in 10 years. It's like, that's a Legends fight. Jones is still potentially at the top of the game. You know, I mean, technically he is. He's got the strap, so. Um, yeah, he did call for. I heard Asmal call for that, and I, I'm. I don't know that he should have to relinquish. I think that they should, we should just somebody needs to pay Stipe that step aside money, and uh, let's just get Jones and Aspinall together. International Fight Week next year. Um, on that note, uh, I didn't really have anything else on that on those on that previous episode, so um, we can just move in right into the content of the day. What do you say? Oh yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So uh, okay, let's first off, we'll kick things off. <laughs> Um, we're talking to Napoleon Dynamite from 2004. We'll get into the details of that film um, in depth as we move along through the podcast. Uh, but first, let's talk about uh, film in the year 2004. So, uh, Errol, where were you at in 2004? That would have made you what? About 11, 12? Oh, yeah. Just a, just a young a, whippersnapper. Yeah, I think I was 11 and highly impressionable. <laughs> and then this thing comes along. <laughs> yeah. Almost shapes my like sense of humor as a... I think so at this at that point, like I haven't necessarily seen anything that was like wildly like just absurd for the sake of like being absurd. Right. Um, And I think that's why it did so well. Usually when you're like going to watch a movie, you're like, there's going to be like uh like an actual like problem and then like it's gonna be overcome like no this is just like a slice of life like the character it's like <laughs> he's you so it's he's not your he's not your typical hero I'll I'll just flat out say that but um for some reason like you just you you end up like you end up always like uh voting for him. You're always like uh, you're always like I want I want him to win. You know what I mean? Right, You're right. like he's kind of, he's kind of different. Like he's you like know, an anti. But- yeah, he's like a bit of an anti. This was a theme too, and like, um, you know, we'll obviously get into all the details about about who you know the you know the the John Heater character of of Napoleon Dynamite. But like this this theme you're talking about was like it was kind of strewn throughout the uh, this this year in comedy, and not just like. And not just comedies, but just I think a, a lot of films were kind of playing this angle a little bit. Like you think about um, uh, as I'm kind of looking through the year here, it was kind of a it was a pretty good year for for film, um, and it was a really good year for comedies. And um, I believe what the film that comes to mind for me is uh, I believe Anchorman came out this year, um, oh. which is another comedy where like your protagonist is not exactly. Um, like he's not like a super likable cat. He's just, but he's just, he's he's just pumping out just just hilarity all the time. It, it's almost like, uh, it's like legit, like a um, almost like a train wreck. Like you like can't look away. You're like <laughs> yeah, how, you can't look away. It's like a car crash, right? You're like how like how weird does this guy get? How like yeah. unapologetically weird does he get? And at every every point in the movie. He always just, uh, they're always turning that corner. Like, you're like, man, yeah. like he, he, uh, it's, a, it's just a guy who knows what he likes. You know what I mean? And like, that yeah. stuff isn't necessarily like the popular things, but he's not a cool person, but he makes it seem cool. He's so like confident about himself. Like he like, doesn't even like acknowledge his faults. If right. that makes any sense, he's like, they're wrong. Well, um, we'll so, get it, we'll get into that. Let's talk about let's talk about film in, in this year before we get into the details of old of old Nappy D. 
Um, cause I do want to hit, I want to hit it only because it's, it's such an important, um, aspect of like where this film kind of fits in to like the overall, like, you know, the cinema landscape, um, especially be- because, in a, you know, I want to, I will circle to this later because it is like a very important tidbit about the film. Like this film was really cheap, <laughs> like really cheaply made. And somehow, like, and we'll, we'll talk about, like, the performance and everything in terms of, like, box office and, like, DVD sales and all that. But, like, um, we'll get into those details. But I want to I lay out the landscape of, of, like, film in 2004 first before we go. You know what had a great year in 04? Ben Stiller was just killing yeah. it in 2004. You had, okay, Along Came Polly, which is, uh, have you seen that one? Did mm-hmm. that one hit your radar when that came out? I didn't like see it when it came out, but I've seen it. it. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty funny, right? Um, he does he does a Adam lot of Sandler things. too. Sandler, well, Sandler's always been pretty prolific, but once again, though, this is like the year of comedies, like a lot of great comedies this year. Um, but for Ben Stiller, he's got Along Came Polly. He's got Envy with him and uh, Jack Black, um, which I don't think totally worked. I don't know that I can't remember really what happens in it, but I don't think it was super well received. Um, Dodgeball comes out this year, another great comedy. Um, oh, he, was, he had like a fourth one too. There was another one in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, once again, we mentioned Anchorman. Soul Plane. Yeah, we had um, for comedies. I mean, we obviously a lot of get big kids movies. Kids movies are always big, really good at the box office. You had uh, Shark Sh- Shrek Two. You had Spider Man Two, The Incredibles, and. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. Why don't you give me three films that really stuck out to you that you've seen from that year that like really like hit it for you? That kind of like I don't know. Maybe they represent the year for you in terms of movies, movie going. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, Super Size Me came out then. Yeah. Really influential doc documentary. I might. I might throw that on the list. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. Very. Very like kind of shook the culture up a little bit didn't it right yeah it was uh it wasn't even that crazy uh, white chicks came out i didn't necessarily <laughs> i chicks. didn't like love white chicks. white chicks is funny man i don't care i d- so here's funny. here's why i don't like white chicks because it just enters the uncanny valley I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. no one no one no who immediately knows them they're like yeah no that that tracks that's them i'd yeah. be like i'd be like you guys are crazy this is like that's not them. Like they cut off their face and they're like wearing them. I was like, that is not, the, I was like, look at the picture. Like, this is not my best friend. Well, also let me hit, I'm going to hit two. I'm going to hit two. Harold and Kumar. What yeah. Harold and Kumar came out. Wow. This is a great year for comedy. Well, let me hit you with two really quick. So like, cause I feel like you're probably going to name them and I want to, I want to, I want to, I want dibs. Um, so I'm going to jump out there and hit them. Cause they're two of my favorite movies of the year easily. Um, number, uh, number two, would for me it would be uh team america oh damn team america is like all-time funny <laughs> maybe the all-time funniest <laughs> movie ever made potentially um but i mean number one is w- number one with the bullet is uh Shaun of the dead Shaun of the dead came out that year too dude it's a huge holy huge you know what year. i mean like maybe maybe Born supremacy all- the grudge yeah, it, I mean, but if we're just talking comedies, this is a pretty banging year. I mean, this is just—I mean, if we're talking even everything, just films, yeah, no, national was, treasure, yeah. But I, I've always looked at the year. It's strange. The year had it had a lot of very good films, but it didn't have any like all-time great films. 
You know what I mean? It didn't like kind of push the ceiling. Really out. good films, but not really great films. Yeah, I mean, Shaun of the Dead is all time great for sure. But like, um, I would say other than that, for me, yeah, I don't, I don't really see anything that like kind of pushed the ceiling and like really broke through to be like a. Considered- I'd say anchor, anchor man. Anchorman's pretty all-time great in terms of comedy for sure. Um, but there's no like, you know, there's no like Godfather-esque like there's nothing like that truly um, you know, truly like left a mark that lasts to this day in terms of like, you know, critical acclaim we'll call it. Um, but still, I still think it's a pretty solid I would say this might be one of the best comedy years um in the last two decades, just with those like five or six right there, man on fire came out this year, kill bill two. Um, what else you got? I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a good list of uh, sideways, which is, um, you know, that's Alexander Payne and Paul Giamatti, which, um, will, you know, I'll, I'll just say right now, the, uh, the newest film from Alexander Payne, um, also starring Paul Giamatti, the holdovers, which was just released in theaters. I was telling you about it. Um, I'm just in love with that film. I mean, I've, I've just, it's, it's grown on me like a, like a, like a fine wine. Like it's just, it's aging beautifully just in my mind. I've only seen it the one time in theaters, but like, I just can't get it out of my head. How like charming it was. It was, it was as great as a, as a year this was for film. It stands alone. It's my favorite film of the year. Yeah, no, I saw the um, I saw the uh, trailer for that, and I was like, "This looks really good." Yeah, I mean, it's 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 beyond excellent. It's truly a, it's a, just a, it's one of those films that like I feel like you could show it to anyone, truly anyone, and they will enjoy it. Like, I, it's just un uncontroversially great, and um, definitely my favorite movie of the year, ahead of even Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer and The Killer and all these great like it's been a great movie year, and that one truly like kind of jumped out in, in front for me um but circling back to 2004 yeah so i mentioned that because the film sideways also came out that year that was a huge critical hit um same filmmaker same lead actor paul giamatti um ray jamie fox fucking that came out that year killing it as ray charles um eternal sunshine of the spotless mind another great one uh, just a pretty solid year passion of the christ i mean that was huge right that was yikes mm-hmm. um Jeez, I mean that movie. That made Jesus, that made. You go. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, purely unintentional, but it, it works great. Um, I mean, that movie made in the U.S. alone almost four hundred million. Um, worldwide, obviously, made you know over half a billion. So, you know, you. I'm gonna. I never. I never seen the Passion. You never seen it? Yeah, it's tough. Sit, man, it's tough. I felt like so when it came out, like I was, I was like, this seems like a little deep for me to like watch at that age. And then like I was like, what's it about? They're like, oh, it's just a raw rendition of what happened. I'm like, isn't this? I was like, this is kind of like self serving, I guess. I was like, you're nah, just gonna it's, show it's, without the message. Nah, it's tasteful. It really is. Believe it or not, it is. It's it's actually quite beautiful. And and like Mel Gibson is like he's um. He's known for doing this because he did it with Apocalypto. He like he, um, I believe it's based on the the New Testament, right? Because the Old Testament is uh, Judaism, right? Um, Sorry, my 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 theology needs some brushing up. But uh, um, either way, he uses the authentic language um, in the in like the the screenplay or whatever. Um, It's used. It's written in the authentic and like all the 
or at least most of the the dialogue is um, is translated from the like original scripture, um, the scripture language. So like, and it's it's beautiful. It's like an actually beautiful film. And obviously, like the I mean, it, the the horrendous brutality of the crucifixion and you know everything that led up to it is like very difficult to to watch. And it's like very, but it it's not it's not what I, I think. It, I think it's been described sometimes as being like like. Um, in like kind of like almost theatrically or cinematically violent for the sake of entertainment. Um, I don't get that sense, maybe in some scenes, but I didn't really get that feeling from it. I felt like it was just trying to, uh, I mean, it's just trying to, I mean, it is, if you're going to make the movie, you're going to have to like, that's just going to have to be a part of the story. If that's the movie you're going to make, it's got to be a part of the, the visual experience. But like, it's, I thought the, the scenes that surrounded it kind of res- were pretty respectful. Um, but then Mel, you know, you know what Mel Gibson was up to on his goddamn cell phone years later. <laughs> <laughs> out there saying some horrendous shit, just absolutely horrible shit. So, um, what um, a good film, right? Um, I would have, I, I would have stopped filming the second that Cross got hit. Oh, right, yeah, that's like the backstory is that like Caviezel, um was like lightning was lightning struck the cross or i don't know if he was on it or if he was like lightning struck like twice on the set <laughs> like fuck that man i'm out i'm out we're shutting down like production i'd be like we're i'd be like it's not okay i'd be like it's not he, he said no he said no <laughs> we did not get we did not get the approval <laughs> <laughs> first time i'd be like all right that's a co- that was kind of crazy i'm a little it's two times yeah you probably get, I gotta you get a little chuckle out of the first time you're like whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on time, yeah, you're like oh okay the second time is like all right, shut it up. down shut it down everybody call your agent <laughs> it's working we need to collect the insurance on this whole project we need to stop filming on sundays i told you that <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god do you think they did shut down on sundays they probably yeah, they, i would have like no they're just like sir this is this is this is unholy we've got a fucking schedule to keep meanwhile unhinged mel gibson is just yelling yeah. at the sky i'm doing this for you <laughs> at the sky <laughs> a thunderous sky i'm pretty sure they filmed like in jordan or something like you know um like maybe not jordan but like somewhere Let's see, where did they film? Yeah, the script and language, they use two old languages without subtitles. I'm sitting here, we're sitting here doing a breakdown of passion impromptu. Go us. Um, it was shot in Italy and Rome. Um, or no, it was, yeah, it was shot in Italy. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, Italy. So, but I yeah, like it's a good film. It is a good film. And I do, I think people should, uh, you know, give it a, it'll get a resurgence in, in, um, appreciation. You know how films do that? They like do that cycle. Like they, they fall out of favor and then they, um, they get like a second life. I think they're making a sequel too, by the way, which is, we already know how it ends. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we know how we know how we, <laughs> what the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah, he comes dude. back and he's pissed. He's, he's coming. <laughs> Jesus, they should just call it the Passion of the Christ Revenge. <laughs> Christ comes back around. Mm. <laughs> Mel Gibson should not write. They should not make that movie. No, because of the uh, you know the uh, 
we won't get into <laughs> we're not going to get into any uh any of Mel Gibson's ramblings but uh especially given the state of uh, the, the world at the moment but um all right so let's dive into it uh any other 2004 films you think are worth uh, mentioning here I think we hit most of them yeah there's like it's a, a bunch sprinkled in here man there's a lot I mean it's a good year Man on fire man on fire is dope as fuck have you when's the yeah. last time you've seen that while ago man that movie kicks ass i believe i remember i recall a scene in that film where uh denzel washington denzel shoves a a bomb up an individual's ass i'm pretty sure that goes down in that movie which is well that's something i mean it's something that happens. yeah yes um but anyway let's move on from uh we'll move on from 2004 2004 oh million dollar baby that would be the that's like the, that's the movie that won all the awards and shit and it was the uh, best picture. Uh, have you seen that? Have you seen Million Dollar Baby? Um, it's okay. I maybe watched it. That's the one where she the chair, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, boxing. Spoiler alert. Yeah, chair. Just that's it. Just chair. Oh just my say god! Chair. Oh my god! <laughs> In the ring with the chair. <laughs> don't say. Don't spoil. We got. We got chastised. <laughs> We've been we've been uh, critiqued for our spoiler alerts uh, in our commentary section. So, to be fair, we do go spoiler alert. This is what happened. Anyway, like <laughs> spoiler alert. Three seconds later. <laughs> Listen, if you haven't seen Million Dollar Baby at this point, like, man, it's the movie's like twenty years old. Well, that's a lot of. The, I feel like a lot of the stuff is kind of older. What but, is the, you know, what is the statute of limitations on spoiler alerts? Like, I feel like it should be twenty years. Twenty years is good. If you, if you if it's taking you twenty years to see the damn film, I mean, come on now, are you that itching to see it that much? Twenty years is a solid. You can yeah, say but what if we want. do such a good job talking it up, and then we're like, you know, okay, they just I mean, get hit yeah, with a steel chair. Yeah, but you, <laughs> speaking of chairs. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I guess you can. You can elude. How about that? We the, the, elude. Elude warning. <laughs> Um, not like a lewd warning, you know, like, <laughs> anyways, let's move into, uh, let's move into the content. What are we talking about today? We're talking about, um, yeah, actually, you know what? We'll do this. We're going to lead in. Let's, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're talking to 2004's Napoleon Dynamite. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. Brand new shoes, walking loose, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Walk with me, Susie Lee, through the park and by the tree. We will rest upon the ground and look at all the books we found. Safely walk to school without a sound. Safely walk to school without a sound. Here we are, no one else. We walk to school all by ourselves. There's dirt on our uniforms from chasing all the ants and worms. We clean up and now it's time to learn. We clean up and now it's time to learn. Numbers, letters, learn to spell. Nouns and books and show and tell. Playtime, we will throw the ball. Back to class, through the hall. Teacher marks our height against the wall. Teacher 
books I hang against the wall We don't notice any time pass We don't notice anything We sit side by side in every class Teacher thinks that I sound funny But she likes the way you sing Tonight I'll dream while I'm in bed Okay, Napoleon Dynamite, 2004 comedy, uh, written and directed by the Hess brothers. Uh, Jared is their director, uh, Jared Hess and Jerusha Hess, based on Palooka, which is a, uh, I believe it's a short story, or yeah, it's a short film that was directed by Jared Hess uh, from 2002. Um, produced by Jeremy Kuhn, Chris Wyatt, Sean Covell, uh, starring John Heater, uh, John Grease, Aaron Ruel, Efren Ramirez, Tina Mori, Major, Majorino, Majorino, um, Sandy Martin, Diedrich Bader, cinematography by Mun Powell, edited by Jeremy Kuhn, music by John Swihart, um, distributed by Fox Searchlight Pictures, Paramount Pictures under MTV Films, released on January 17, 2004 at Sundance, and then a wider release and on June 11, 2004 in the United States. Uh, this was going to mention earlier, a budget of 400K. So, like, goddamn, they did it cheap. <laughs> like, it's as cheap as films can be made. John um, Heater got paid a thousand bucks. That is so crazy. That is that's literally, so that's, crazy. If you ask me, like, in, as far as, um, like, at, like acting price, like or being paid for like movies goes, it's like it's almost the equivalent of the scene where he's at the chicken farm. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dollar an hour. It's like a dollar an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's crazy is that okay, so like the movie was a huge hit, right? It, I mean, it, but it wasn't immediate because it actually it did pretty well at the box office, right? So like, especially on that budget, it made incredible money. It made like forty six million. Dude, all um, they had to do was sell, like sell a couple tickets. Yeah, they made like a hundred thousand dollars. If you can make a film that's going to get picked up by like a production company like Paramount or uh, MTV or Fox Searchlight or whatever, um, it's you're going to make money on a budget like that. If you, as soon as you get picked up, they knew they were going to make money because it was going to get a wide release. And it was out at, you know, they played it at Sundance. Once you're at Sundance, you already probably knew it too, but like the movie was always going to make money and it did make, it make, made 46 million. Um, I want to see before we move too far into the, the financials performance of the film. Um, let's see how the DVD sales did, because I, that's, that's my question is like, I think this film did better with uh, DVD sales because, okay, yeah. So, like, you're talking about the box office, it probably made about 45, 46 million, it looks like. Um, let's see what DVD sales look like. It was, um, I didn't know this until right now, it was voted uh, number 14 on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Top Which, 15. That's, that's pretty crazy. That Dude, is. top 100 Funniest Movies of all time, top 15 is wild. Yeah, that's a good spot, and that's that's on like the critical side. But it it says here, uh, the numbers.com indicates that uh, okay, it's not going to show showing financial information, but I want to see video sales. Here we go. So you're talking about uh, probably another. It looks like maybe another thirty six million um, in DVD sales. 
which is huge. And, and that makes sense at the time. 2004, that's a big year for um, for DVDs. DVD, I think Blu-ray was coming pretty soon, right? That's on the way. Um, but, like, that's, that's a shit. Put those two numbers together. I mean, that's almost $100 million on a $400,000 budget. Um, yeah, well, I'm showing here. I'm seeing another uh, – I'm seeing another – Another number, another figure um, from a uh, let's see, New Americana, indicating 139 million in DVD sales. Maybe that's to to this date, which is crazy money. I mean, that's that's absurd. They made so much money on this film, um, which is great. Um, it was filmed in Idaho, Franklin County, uh, Idaho, and, and it's actually beautiful, right? Like the backdrop is like is like gorgeous. Like this, and you know, they do an intentional thing. The filmmakers of like. There's it's always filmed with like a blue sky, like it's always it, it might just so, be sunny, there, but yeah. I was gonna say so it looks nice, but it looks like that is all there is to it. it looks so damn boring. Yeah, it it's looks just like nothing so going on. wide and open. Literally nothing. It's just sky. Like it's just. Does this movie to you? Um, does this movie have a little bit of a Mike Judge feel to it? Like. Um, it kind of reminds you of like almost like a real life King oh, of Hill. Yes, and I think I think that slice of life, like part of it, is the reason why it achieves such a like a a cult following because it it's it's really just like a a peep into like just some weird backwoods town. Like the the characters who I find myself, or at least I found myself relating to most before at the end of the day, like, you know what? Like I'm like, I'm literally Napoleon. Like you see, like you, you find yourself like, or I found myself identifying with the bullies. I was just laughing at him. Like, what <laughs> yeah. the heck is he doing? Like, and that's <laughs> what really that's what we're doing too. We're just like this guy is weird, but they're just like pushing him into lockers. <laughs> well, I, yeah, like I love, I love that. That's one of my favorite scenes is when he's like, uh, he's obviously talking. We were talking about earlier when he's, he's like, I told you I spent it with my uncle in Alaska hunting wolverines. And he's like, right. what kind of gun did you use? He's like, a freaking 12 gauge. What do you think? And then it just smash cuts to him just getting getting thrusted into the locker in a headlock. Him in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> he's just getting fucking tossed around. It's fantastic. Man. And, and that is a uh, that is kind of the genius of the movie, too. There's there's just so much. The editing is so good. It's so good. It knows just when to cut and just when to cut to like to really hammer home like comedic timing like it really like, just nails it here's the thing like all of these like all of all that kind of subject matter usually is like like bullying's not okay you know what i mean but like it works in napoleon's he's never he almost he's never like acting like the victim no he's like, this is what we were like, talking, like you were you them. were kind of trying to jump into it a little bit at the, at the top of the show and like i tried to i want i only diverted you not because i i didn't think yet i didn't think it was interesting i was diverting you just because i wanted us to stay on i wanted us to hit what we were trying to hit in the opening but like you were you were kind of nailing what i was thinking but almost on the other side of the spectrum i actually think that napoleon dynamite as a character is like extremely unlikable like i think he's a fucking dick <laughs> He's just a dickhead. He's like kind of likable in that he's like a, a little bit like it seems like he's kind of uh, he's in, like he's trying to divert um, Kip and Uncle Rico in their little scheme. Like, I mean, he's just selfish. Like, he's just he's he's really selfish. And he's also but he's also like you can tell he has a moral compass because those two are like up to no good. And he's just kind of pissed at them. But he's only really pissed at them because like for his own reasons, like because he's got shit that he needs them to help him with because he's still in high school. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> Which like, is not oh, unreasonable. No, not totally. But he's also like, he's just, he's also just a whiny little bitch sometimes. Like his grandma was like, how is school? And he's just like, the worst day of my life. What do you think? Well, but like, he did. He got. He gets bullied all the time. Like he doesn't like it. He's like, nah. He's <laughs> asking for it. <laughs> well, so that's for it. That's the kind. It's um. You know what it is. It's a. Uh, so typically, what uh, kids will do is they will conform to like just be a part of the of the group itself. He refuses, um, dude. He just doesn't care at all, yeah. man. He does. He likes what he likes, and yeah. um. He's willing he, to take it. He's willing to take a beating for it too. Whenever he talks about this stuff, like anything, he talks about it like really like candidly. Like he's just like, you know, this is like it's really cool. Like, you know, I really like ligers stuff. Like he's just yeah. um <laughs> I think uh I just uh I I he, you're not you don't feel bad for him because he doesn't feel bad for himself. No, not at all. No, he definitely that's definitely much is that much is absolutely true. He's not He's not like a victim and it's not a deep character. The film is like, it's, this is why I like this. They don't make movies like this anymore. And it really is kind of a product of like almost like a 90 style indie film because it really is. Um, it's not trying to like scratch at the surface of much really. I, I don't think the film is about anything necessarily. I don't think the filmmakers were like, man, this like, and they'll probably tell you something different and you could probably, you could, it's just like philosophy. We've said this before on the podcast that like you can find philosophy anywhere that you're looking for it. But like um, with this film, it works if you do want to kind of attach some like, you know, uh, high school coming of age theorizing around it. But, but it also just works as a purely comedic film where like, mm-hmm. You don't have to sympathize with the character, and sometimes it actually works better on a comedic level for you not to. Like if if he's just pathetic enough, you just like it, it, most of the time you're laughing at Napoleon, not laughing with him, right? Until right. maybe like the you're, dance. You're even waiting. at the dance, even when he's like triumphant in the dance and he's like kind of killing it at the end. Obviously, with that dance sequence, like you're still kind of laughing at him, and then it's as close you get as you get to like doing both, laughing at and laughing with. Mm-hmm. But that's the it's the whole thing. Like he he goes out there and he crushes it, but he does that by you know once again not conforming. You see, you see, yeah. uh, you see that man, and like, there's no way you're gonna be like, yeah, he's just gonna bust out some Jamiroquai and actually like you know <laughs> just and uh, so that that uh, that singular scene convinced me of a of a universal truth. Hmm. Um, Let's hear it. You could be the absolute best dancer like you could like you know what like you could win a competition against the devil like you could like be like a trained ballerina that have like danced in like russian courts and if you go against a dance battle against someone who is just unapologetically themselves and just breaks it down like that (laughs) you lose yeah like if they're worse at dancing than you but they just don't care like you you got served like that's yeah it's all about conviction you just gotta be convicted in your moves if they're just like they're just staring you in the in the soul just busting it down (laughs) after you hit them with like the most graceful thing ever like break dancing like crazy shit and they still like okay i got something for you they match you with that like that instant everyone just loses their mind like they're just like nah like why why is he doing that (laughs) yeah it could be the most ridiculous dance move but as long as no one's ever seen it before or like it's 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 so ridiculous they're just like nah man's is really just hitting it and if you really are just hitting it you you win 
he was hitting it too, wasn't he? Holy shit, was he hitting it? I mean, it was a gr- well. Let's talk about like the performance. Well, actually, before we do that, I want to circle back to the opening because uh, that opening sequence is really unique. Like you, you, you don't see many like this. Like very speaking of low budget, like I mean, <clears throat> between like um, the symbolism of like the Salisbury steak and everything, but like, wh- what did you think about like how they how they decided to do the opening credits with like the each like a uh, fresh. I say fresh, but like a new a new plate of food and color scheme to like introduce the uh, the credit opening. I thought that was uh, I thought that was nice. It was very like um, almost like like a Nickelodeon. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Very like childlike. It reminded me of my youth. And it also because they use like um, so I'll say this. There is a uh, there's a big what did I say? I said Mike Judge, right? This yeah. movie is the baby of like if Mike Judge and Wes Anderson had a baby. Oh my god! I think I feel like that's the best way to describe it. Like especially the way I, it looks yeah. and the tone. That's a, actually that's a really good, really apt uh, description. That's like that's crazy. Where'd you pull that out from? Well, I said Mike Judge earlier, and then I and then I thought about the opening sequence, and the opening sequence like genuinely feels like Wes Anderson, just in terms of like the music and the way it's like everything's kind of somewhat symmetrical, and it's like in the color schemes, like every each time they switch to a new one, they also don't show his name until he pulls his. You notice that they don't show his name until he pulls his binder back on the desk, and his name is like etched into the desk, which yeah, is like way later too. And it's wicked cool because it shows you that he's just. He doesn't care about the man. That's his goddamn desk. Right. Um, I what like how think like, about one of the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I like how like one of the first things he says, like it really does set the tone for like him as a character. Mm-hmm. Um that the kid's like, What are you gonna do today, Napoleon? And he's just like, Whatever I feel like, God. And then just <laughs> chucks a he just chucks <laughs> chucks an action figure out the window with on a string. I was <laughs> like, that's cool. It. That is yeah, cool. I was like, like, I thought was like, my daughter, my daughter Aubrey was watching that, and she was just like, she was like, "Is he gonna let go?" And I was like, I was like, "No, that's the whole point." Isn't that? He, she was like fascinated with his decision making. She was like, her eyes were super wide. She was like, "What is he doing?" Dude, whatever <laughs> was like, he feels like, yeah, that's uh, he's that's. <laughs> oh And see, that's the thing. That's like he's just like um, it's the childlike wonder. He never like Truly. um, he he. It's almost like. The fact that he didn't have friends like made him more an individual because he didn't have anyone being like, all right, man, that's kind of that's kind of weird. But like, OK, like he just it was like a self self uh, like an or Boris of awkwardness. Yeah, He'd get more awkward because he was awkward and didn't have that much friends. And then he would, you know, further delve into the esoteric stuff he liked, like Kung Fu. And right. Yeah. Well, oh my god, that, that leads us to to uh, uh, Rex Quando. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? That maybe that's a, that's exactly why I bet you that I I came to that Mike Judge thing, right? Um, because the guy who plays Rex Quando is uh, um, uh, it's uh, Diedrich Bader, who is fucking from he's from all the Mike Judge stuff. He's the uh, he's the um, Christ. Um, it's gonna kill me. He's the he's the the neighbor in Office Space. He's uh, I think he has a couple of uh, voice roles in King of the Hill. I'm almost positive he must. Let me just double check, or maybe not. 
Wow, he didn't get involved in that, but he's been with Mike Judge a few times. I think he's been. It makes sense if if that's the case because like he he fit right into the vibe there. He oh yeah, it was perfect. Maybe I guess he's only been in the office space thing. Maybe wow, I don't know why, but he's like always been linked to Mike Judge in my mind. But I guess for no good reason because it's really just office space. But I definitely remember him in office space with the giant handlebar mustache and two chicks at the same time. (laughs) That guy's great. (laughs) That guy's fucking hilarious. If you could do anything you want for the rest of your life, what would you do? Two chicks at the same time. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. <laughs> Great. Uh, is that him? Yeah, that's him. That's the neighbor. That's the dude. Damn. Yeah, he's he's like uh, he's 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 Rex, bro. What do you think of Rex Quando? I mean, that scene's fucking hilarious. He's it's, like, um, he's it's whack, just, he's just whacking Kip in the top of the head. It's it's perfect because like. I like to think of him as like an ex, like early UFC fighter, like you know what I mean, like uh, because this movie set like right around like I guess I would say like the late '90s or so, something like that, probably yeah. So like right when like UFC was like getting started, if not even like uh, like you know like the '80s ish when uh, when there's just like no weight classes and like you had a, just guys out there with like boxing gloves and stuff. Mm, yeah. I like to think like he technically like had his foot in the door there. But he was a charlatan. But, but like yeah, just wasn't like that good, but technically made it just because like there wasn't a lot of people just be like, Yeah, I'm willing to fight. Well, I get the sense that he's some kind of like war vet, maybe from like the Gulf War or something, because he's like he's all decked out in like the American flag and he's got that like, <laughs> um he's just got like that demeanor of like America like he's all about America and self defense, but what did you think of what did you think of of uh of uh of that roundhouse sweep kick from Kip <laughs> trying to take him out but he gets whacked in the top of the head? <laughs> you know it's 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 worse. It wasn't bad, I know I wasn't expecting it. It it's it's worse because like the so the guy's clearly trained to some degree, but is like definitely a hack. Oh yeah, he's for like, sure. He's like I'll train you to have like, you know, the he says like Break the wrist, walk away. He's like, I'll train you to have the wisdom of a bear. <laughs> and like, there, like that's what it says, like in the commercial or something to that degree. And he's like, uh, but it's definitely like all those, uh, uh those phony like self defense things. Like the guy's just pointing a gun at him. He's like, yeah, just slap it out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go into the dojo, and then there's like two fake guns like on the top, and like three knives. Yeah. And then, like, the number one rule is res- respect Rex. Respect <laughs> Rex, which is actually, number- like, the opposite of, like, the, any any other dojo is typically, like, respect yourself and respect your, like, your... Uh, yeah, like, respect, like, the sensei. But I, he, I guarantee that Rex. rule happened just because, like, he had, like, someone actually come in and they're like, dude, this is, like, bullshit. You're going to respect... No, rule number one, always respect Rex. He's like, rule number two... The, the rule number two on the board was that never like use Rex Quando like for uh like <laughs> to like harm someone or some shit like that. Like yeah. you need to use it responsibly. So like you come in and you're someone like Kip, and then you see rule number two, you're like, oh yeah, this is the real deal. I'm really gonna learn how to fucking kill someone with my hands. <laughs> well, he's got that one line. He's also just like, last off, my students will learn about self respect. You think anybody thinks I'm a failure because I go home to Starla every night? <laughs> Forget about <laughs> it. <laughs> you see, you see Starla, and you're like. Wolf, <laughs> yeah, really. Just like a you know, with that Kevin McAllister, <laughs> Rex, your girlfriend. Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think about? Oh, we got to move into. We got to talk a little Uncle Rico. I mean, probably the funniest scene in the film for me is Uncle Rico 
hitting that fucking hitting that like 60 yard Salisbury steak right to the forehead of Napoleon Wise on the bike. No, that definitely because it was so unexpected and like out of the frame oh, yeah. too. Like he just he really just yucked a steak at this guy. <laughs> he hit him with the submarine <laughs> style. <laughs> he takes it right off of Kim's plate too. <laughs> He, 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 he goes, watch this steak's his steak. <laughs> he's re- and he was eating it, too, because they show Kip, and he's, like, struggling with... Because he doesn't eat steak, because he's he's just, he's just he's just not about that. Right. And he's just got the fork in there with the knife, and he's just trying to cut, like, the grizzle, and he's barely <laughs> cu- he's barely actually cutting through and just failing miserably at, cut- at eating the Salisbury steak. And he's just, Damn. like... He's, like... I, was, I can't remember what his actual line is, but he's, like... Um, he tells he starts talking rattling off his like high school statistics. He doesn't believe him. He's like, I bet you. He's like, I, I can still do it. I bet you. And he's he goes, he, he's he just like, grabs the steak right off his plate. And then he's sitting, he's flying sitting there one time. It's probably the quote I say the most, like from this for no reason. And <laughs> he's just sitting there looking at like the planes, like just looking at like you know that distant sky we're talking yeah. about. He goes, but I could throw a football over the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> Jack throw a football over the mountains. Like just looking, like staring. He's like, yeah. Like I would just chuck he's it. Just it would so just lost. Keep going. He's, he's the most delusional man in the world. Because if coach would have put me in fourth quarter in that high school game, would have been you, different. I would have gone pro. Yeah, remember he was like, he well, said he was, if they put him in, like he wasn't even good enough wasn't to even start in high team, school. Yeah. Like no, he wasn't even. He wasn't even like a starter. Like they're like, we're it's a close game. Like. He's he's a coach, but he's like, shut the hell up! Like I'm trying to win this game. <laughs> he's like, if coach would have put, me, if you would have put me in coach, it would have been different. Well, he was also like, remember when he was he was talking to Napoleon at breakfast or whatever, and he was like telling him he was like, he was like, he was like, yeah, she thinks I'm, she thinks I'm stuck in the past, stuck in 1982. So I kicked her to the curb. <laughs> it was like, no, she definitely kicked, very obviously kicked you to the curb. Uncle Rico is very clearly a massive delusional the, loser. She was just a hundred percent right, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think at one point he literally says, uh, oh, that, that's the line right there. He's like, back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pig, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Are you, are you serious? And he's like, I'm dead serious. And he just grabs the steak off his plate, <laughs> whips it at his forehead. It was not a quarter mile, obviously, too. He throws it like like 30 yards at him. And imagine that you just chuck a football or yeah, you chuck a football like four football fields deep. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just impossible. <laughs> like, Especially do you see his form? Like he's throwing it like he's throwing it so bad. Right, he's like throwing it inside him. There's one time where because he, he's it always just record himself. Back. He's always just like record himself, like back it up in the pocket. And there's one time like <laughs> he's he spinning backs around up. the pocket, like in one place and he's he's also he's also changing the direction that he would be throwing the football like i think one of <laughs> one of his like rotations is like he's throwing it one way and then he turns around as though he would throw the football backwards on the in on the play like he's like facing the opposite direction like he's going upfield yeah there's this one time like he, so he backs up and he just like goes to like like cock it back and throw it and just loses it and then he just like shrugs. He's like, he's like, I don't, what the heck was that about? Like, no one <laughs> even touches him, or he just loses the football. He's like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I mean this this is this guy is just a complete clown clown show, and definitely a little bit of a dick to Napoleon too. I can see why. Uh, 
And then obviously Kip is just like, what do you think about Kip? I mean, well, the Kip performance, uh, who is the actor that plays Kip? I mean, have you seen him in anything else ever? Like anything? Yes. Let's see. He is a, oh, he was raised a Mormon apparently. Uh, Aaron Ruel. Not really though. Yeah. He's never been in anything else. That That was it. He was in like, um, <clears throat> he was in a film called Think Tank. He was in a, another film called On the Road with Judas. Um, and he was in a television show before Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, wait. Oh, they made an animated Napoleon Dynamite, too. I forgot about that. Um, mm. I was gonna, actually, I was going to circle to that. That's kind of on my list, but for later in the pod. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the, the character is hilarious. You can tell it's actually probably influenced... Uh, I don't know if it influenced or who influenced what, but Zach Galifianakis's uh, character, um, his like uh, the guy that he plays in the in the campaign, or is that what it's called? Campaign. It's like his fake brother. He's like fake uh, effeminate brother, um, who's like from North Carolina. I can't remember what mm-hmm. his, his like fake name for him is, but um, it's like he's doing like basically this the exact same. Um, he's doing the exact same voice. Um, and it is hilarious. It's just hilarious. It's really, it's, it is really funny because so you had, they're both on like the opposite sides of the spectrum. Like you can't like what's it's, you know, as far as being like a popular or like socially not awkward person, like you're kind of like, you have an uphill battle when your older brother's kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. what do you really expect from them? They really but, don't like, look Kip... like brothers either. I don't. I don't necessarily buy that they were uh, brothers from the same like, like parents. I did. I don't know Napoleon's why. Napoleon's huge. He's like enormous compared. It, just, to it made it made sense to me. Well, I was gonna say that it's an in- interesting like piece of trivia is that uh, John Heater and um, uh, 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 what's his name? I'm sorry. The actor's name is. Uh, uh, Efren Ramirez, the guy who plays Pedro, they're actually both, uh, they're both identical twins. They both have are brothers of identical twins separately. I was like, are you sure about that? Yeah. No, when you were like, you said like they were. Oh, the, those two. Are, like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was no, like, no, that is a, that's interesting. I don't it's know interesting how. Interesting that you would come to that conclusion. No, uh, they're, uh, they, they have, they have brothers who are identical twins that are, um, um, that they're identical to, but uh, I wonder if they use them. Maybe they use them as like body doubles. That would be really smart to you. Um, That'd be here, so, man. Why don't I hit you with some while we're on the trivia note? Um, let's let's hit a couple. I'll 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 throw out some trivia at you from the film and some interesting factoids about the film. And why don't you kind of like react to them? Um, so like you said, John Heater was uh paid only a thousand dollars, and the film grossed over mil- uh, forty million. So obviously that's that's pretty incredible. Um. For Napoleon's dance routine, director Jared Hess and John had John Heater improvise and dance to three different songs. Hess then took the best moves from each song and put them in one routine using one song. That's pretty smart. That's a pretty smart way to do it. So that's all improvised then. That's all John Heater's moves. Fuck Dang. yeah. Um, the scene of the farmer shooting the cow in front of the school, school bus full of children is a true anecdote from director Jared Hess's childhood. Yeah, I can imagine. That's probably true. Um Oh, this is a good one. A Napoleon Dynamite Festival was held every year from 2004 to 2008 in Preston, Idaho, the city where the film was movie was filmed. 
the festival has had contestants that included a tater tot eating contest, football throwing, lookalikes, and other types of competition based on scenes from the movie. What a sad affair. I mean, my goodness. I want to go there though. It looks beautiful. Like I just want to I just want to experience it just to see what it feels like to be in a place so like quiet and dull. Check out the old tetherball. Oh, he's pretty good. Pretty good at the tetherball. It's got some moves out there. Not bad. The, the tater tot. He's speaking of tater tots. That scene is probably like one of the funniest in the movie. I was saying that that's like the most realistic depiction of high school behavior I've ever seen. Because it's, it's yeah, money. like it's, it's like money. it's genuine. So you have because he would he, that kid would have really ate those tots out of his pocket. Like he right. definitely was. He so here's the, here's the thing. You see him putting the tots in his pocket. You're like this. You're like man, this guy is weird. And then you, uh, the guy who's like bullying him, like he looks at it and he's thinking, he's like, yo, that's kind of weird. Then he's like, I'm hungry. Oh, I'm, he's like, yeah, nah, that's a good idea, man. He's like, yo, let me get, let me get one of those. And he's like, yo, like, go, f- go fuck yourself. Like, I fucking <laughs> push yeah. me into a locker. Like, I'm starving. I didn't eat these tots. He's like, give me what he just kicks. Give me one of your tots. He just kicks he his just pockets. Pockets. He's a <laughs> <laughs> he fucking mushed them all. It's so sick. That's the worst thing you can do. But this, he could have granted like Napoleon doesn't owe him anything. But I was like, that could have been the olive branch. You could have gave him a tot and then like you know. But he's like, no, nah, <laughs> no. I feel like the didn't you didn't you get a sense that those kids like like he wasn't even weirded out that Napoleon had those tots in his pocket. It was almost as though he like. He wasn't even surprised by it. Like they'd known each other since like second grade, and Napoleon's been shoving tots in his pocket the whole time. <laughs> like, he was just not surprised by it. He was like, and like it almost seemed as though this is why it felt realistic because it actually kind of felt like that kid had maybe like he maybe got Napoleon to hook him up with some tots some sometime in the past, and that's why he got pissed because he wouldn't give him any. Give me some of your tots. To, just trying to sneak it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just a close up of his two fingers going into the pocket, just pulled out a goddamn tater tot. <laughs> yeah, and they're already kind of mushed just from him walking. This kid just fucking hosses him right in the thigh, just mushes him all the bits. Oh, it's just crazy. cold, greasy pocket tots. Yeah, yeah, not even hot anymore, right? Definitely You're not. Right. Um, let's do some more trivia. Uh, every dish shown during the opening credits is eaten by a character later in the movie. The dishes presented in the opening credits were the work of three of the three people who present them. Wow, I did not know that. That's actually pretty interesting. So you'll actually see them eat that dish uh, later in the film. Um, technically, Uncle Rico doesn't eat any of the steak. <laughs> he throws the steak. Well, no, he's a he's a vegetarian. Oh yeah, but it, it wasn't. Um, he chews the steak, but he spits it out. There's actually a scene where you see him spitting out some of the steak. Oh, yeah, but it, I'm saying, hold on. Every dish is eaten by a not a character, not it, every every dish that's shown is eaten by a character, not eaten by every character. So he's probably just excluded. Oh yeah, no, I'm just uh, he's he's just a vegetarian as all, well, so he would he would chew the steak and then he'd like spit it out. He was just getting the juice. All right, that's uh, acting right there. Yeah, quality conviction despite playing high school students john heater and Ephraim ramirez were respectively 26 and 31 when this movie was made you can kind of tell a little bit yeah like a like emphasis on little yeah. like 26 yeah. and 31 
their behaviors were pretty their behavior their behaviors were pretty on the nose for high school kids though right uh john heater permed his hair for this film obviously um john heater helped to make uh the boondoggle keychains between scenes um when Kip is on the computer at the beginning of the film, all of the words he is saying were improvised by Aaron Ruel. If listened too closely, one can hear him singing a little bit right as grandma comes in. <laughs> That's that. That seems pretty good. Right? That's kind of like how you're introduced to him, too. Um, the scene where Uncle Rico hits Napoleon in the face in the face took four takes. That's actually not bad. <laughs> so he actually obviously did hit him in the face with the stake, but it only took him four times to get him. Dang. Uh, um, Jack, so Jack Black almost played Rex. That would have been interesting. That would have been. I think the movie would have been like legit a classic. If so, nothing against Rex. It's just like if whatever Jack Black puts his name, like you know. No, I like I like that everyone's kind of unknown. They're all unknown actors. I do. I see. I do too because it makes it seem more like a small town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, it's like an almost like a less of a movie, real. almost like a biopic. Yeah, it feels it feels like it feels genuinely real. Um, I will mention this is funny. We're doing Napoleon Dynamite on the week that uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon was released. I forgot to mention that at the top of the show, but um, this was not um, intentional. No. <laughs> Just for listeners, we did not intend to like cross, um, you know, cross schedule this with uh, this with the release of Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Uh, Just Errol, call you... this episode. Just call this episode Napoleon. Dot dot okay. dot dynamite. No, not even. So people click it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, they reviewed the one thing. I guess they didn't do." And they find Killers out of the Flower is... Moon. It's just Napoleon died. 2004's <laughs> classic. <laughs> I don't know. Are you gonna go see that? Are you gonna go see Napoleon? Yeah, I'd like to. It's pretty long, but I, I'm not getting the best vibe from the critical response. People are giving that movie a bunch of grief because I guess it's not like purely historically accurate. But like, what do you want from? you know, the filmmakers here. I mean, it's freaking Ridley Scott. He's like 90 years old. He's out there making like three hour epic, you know, period pieces. Give the man a break. That's all I'm saying. Um, the Rex Quando code uh, appearing above the mirror in the Rex Quando dojo reads, I shall respect at Rex. I shall never misuse Rex Quando. I shall be a champion of freedom and justice. As you mentioned before. I think he was a cop. Yeah, maybe. It actually would make a lot of sense. Um, the, throughout the entire film, there isn't a single scene showing any of the characters outside at night. Hmm. No nighttime. You kind of called that. Yeah, it's all blue skies. You know what? It well, makes it, it makes it, it makes it seem more wholesome. It's like they really are. They're really it really is like a boring town with nothing. Like there's no no People one going out late at night sneaking around. It's just yeah. whatever happens during the day. That's all you got. Um, regarding the dance scene, uh, Heater Heater uh, was quoted as saying, "When you're shooting an, indep- an in- when you're shooting an independent film, you don't know what you're going to get the rights to. Uh, we thought Jamiroquai uh, might be expensive, so we danced to three different songs: to that song and another Jamiroquai song, Little L. We danced to uh, Michael Jackson, something off of uh, off the wall, just those three, and then we got the rights to Jamiroquai, and I think that was half our budget." <laughs> So the rights to that song, like, so maybe they made the movie for like oh, even less, two hundred grand, two hundred fifty grand. Yeah, I mean, music rights are like very expensive, so that's no surprise. Let's talk critical reception here a little bit. Um, interestingly enough, the film was like not amazingly received. 
um, I mean, it is to, it is now because I definitely think it's reached like cult classic status, um, and it definitely had like this amazing run on DVDs. Um, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Times gave the film one and a half stars, writing that he felt that quote the movie makes no attempt to make Napoleon likable, and that it contained a kind of studied stupidity that sometimes passes as humor. Eh, give me a break. I couldn't disagree more with that. That's that's a guy that just doesn't get it. Just doesn't really get. He he didn't get it, and it didn't make him laugh. So therefore, like, he's got to denigrate it as though it's like. I mean, I do agree with the Napoleon like likability problem. Um, I don't think it's a problem though. I actually think it's what makes the film funny. See, I started off not liking him, but then as it went on, I'm like, he's a product of his environment. He doesn't. You know, do you like the delayed kick when after he gets shoved in the locker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so delayed. Ugh! He just throws that fucking. Throws that left kick out there and had absolutely nothing there. <laughs> um, there was one other uh, tidbit I want to hit. Uh, let's see. They talked about a sequel. Probably not going to happen, especially now that it's 20 years removed. Um, the sequel has been in discussion, but it's it's very unlikely. So I was thinking about that. Like, would I even want to see like what Napoleon's up to? Like, not at this age, no. no this is a like... this is a perfect movie. Uh, according to Heater, in January 2023, uh, he stated that he believed the sequel was inevitable and reiterated his interest in displaying a darker tone for the sequel. No, 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 no way. You can't do that. Just leave well enough alone. I mean, it's just this like, it's just this little piece of like, this stuff never works. You either do it right out of the gate. And, and that those are the those are always the sequels that tend to if they're gonna work this is when they work, um, like you have to do it. There's a short window. You got to get in there and like make the sequel right after when when the you know the 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 kettle's still hot. Um, it doesn't work to take like two like two decades off and then try to you know try to reimagine the magic from the previous film. I just don't think it works that way. Um, but probably probably gonna get a sequel. That sucks. They're gonna make Napoleon Dynamite at night. Oh, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did make the animated series in 2010. Uh, it was announced, and then it came out in 2012, and it was canceled after six episodes. Like, like especially when you tried that and it didn't work. Just, just move on, man. Just move on. You hit lightning in a bottle. Just take it. Take it and run with it. You made a boatload of money, and it's uh. It's it's got like cult status. It's people watch it all the time. It's on HBO Max. It's all you can always stream it. People do watch it, so just leave it. Um, legacy. There's a this one. I thought this was pretty interesting. The term quote uh, the Napoleon Dynamite problem has been used to describe the phenomenon where quirky films such as Napoleon Dynamite, Lost in Translation, and I Heart Huckabees prove difficult for researchers to create algorithms that are able to predict whether or not a particular viewer will like the film based on their uh, ratings of previously viewed films. For several years, the city. Okay, that's well, we already talked about the festival. What do you think about that? Like we're researchers can't really pin down who likes this film and who doesn't. I th- it's polarizing for sure. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's like, it's, it's kind of, I think it's touching a nerve. That's like um, only within certain types of people. I think like it's, it's definitely like um, an all it's 12 more well re- it, Yeah. It's more well-received if you kind of feel like you're an outcast Right. Yep. Like you get to see like the king of outcasts and like he he 
he's he's he doesn't care, dude. He's having a good time, or at yeah, least as good as he really can is. in that hoedunk town. What did you? Did you, let's, I was gonna say I was gonna mention this like this just just a small comment. It's not anything too drastic or anything. But um, did you feel like? I don't mean that. I'm not trying to shit on the film. I do like the film, um, but I, I did have one small problem with it. I really felt like there's a solid like 15 to 25 minutes in probably. Uh, I mean, well, admittedly, the first 40 minutes of this film are cooking, right? Like, like it is cooking. Like I was, I was just dying watching this the other night. Um, for, I mean, the first time I watched this for the pod was the first time I had seen it maybe in 15 years, maybe longer even. Um, and I, it was just crushing me. It was just like, and it was rapid fire. It was like every scene was just smoking me. I was just, I was dying. You did, um, Yeah. You learn a little bit more about the, uh, about the universe and it just gets more and more wild. And then you're just like, yeah, this is exactly why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly why he's the way he is. Yeah. He's just, the, yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. You like resonate with him in like a very different, like coat of paint. Um, but it was a, I will say there was like a 15 to 25 minute stretch there after that first 40 minutes where you're just, where it's just like, it's just nonstop every scene. I can't wait for the next scene. And I'm like every, every you get that feeling when you're watching a comedy where a scene will start and you're just like, I, I know that this scene is going to go somewhere funny and I can't wait to find out where it goes. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's happening like the first 40 minutes of this film. And then all of a sudden it just takes a giant dip for about 20 minutes. Um, I don't know what happened. Like there, I, I there's, I think there's like, um, it's actually a pretty bold move. I think by the filmmakers, the, the Hess brothers, I think they decided that they were like, okay, this movie is like a project of ours. It's worth building a, um, it's worth like kind of building the plot out a little bit for a few scenes. So they have like a few scenes there where it's just like him. Um, I think it's like the scene where Pedro is kind of missing. There's like a few of those scenes. Um, mm-hmm. It's not to say that they're completely humorless. They're not. There's definitely some moments, but it's not like it's not like those first forty minutes. It kind of really like loses a little bit of steam um, before picking picking back up uh, after like the dance. Um, that, I think they do that. In, again. It's almost like they do an intentional lull, and then just yeah, like for the apex for the dance. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. But I also think they wanted to make sure that like you connected with the storyline, like what's happening in the film because not much is happening and that that's easy to say. And it's, it's also very easy to forget that anything's happening in the film because like it's, you're sitting there watching it and it's just, it's so dry and it's so dull that like um, it <laughs> makes you we're... almost like it could, it could take you out of the film. So maybe they just decided that like, okay, we're going to try to build the storyline out a little bit for a chunk of, you know, a small percentage just to build up to this dance scene, which does pay off yeah. tremendously. I didn't even realize he's uh I just I missed it. Um like when I like or while I was watching it, but he just he always has like food around him to some degree. <laughs> yeah. Like at the at the prom he like he goes in the bathroom, he like like washes his hands, like blows his nose, and then he just pulls out a little baggie, just reaches into it as he's just looking at the mirror, eating. just starts eating like as, as people are slow dancing to like forever <laughs> young. He's just dancing in the bathroom. What's with his eyes too? His eyes are like always closed. He's never, <laughs> he's he never, closed. he like never makes eye contact with anyone. No, he doesn't. He, and if he does, he'll do it for a second and like catch himself and then look down. Even when he he asks Pedro, it's so dramatic. For no reason, he's like, and because the, the so those tots, they're Pedro's. He 
He's like, I didn't need anything. He ate his own tots, and then Pedro gave him his. So look what the, like, so yeah, so he's looking at Pedro. He's like, you need your tots? He's like, no. <laughs> but can I have them? And then, like, looks down. He's like, yeah. And then he just grabs him and stuffs him in his pocket. <laughs> Are you drinking 1% because you think you're fat? Well, you're not. <laughs> what a, Like, what an opener. What a great line. It's actually kind of, like, a nice line. He's being nice. And that was, like, that's the other thing, too, about him, that, like, the character is kind of like like if he was a true like dork, he never would have walked up to her, right? Like, well, that's why he's 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 confident. He is, whatever it's he does. It's the, and that's I think that's like kind of what I took from it. I'm like, if this dude can be confident in what he does, like I can, you could like weird stuff, and it's okay. Like if he doesn't care, you don't need to care. Yeah. Um. Good career from uh, John Heater too. I was just looking at his like filmography. Um, he's been in some. He 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 stuck around. He didn't like disappear into like no man's land. You know, like a lot a lot of filmmakers. You know, a lot of like star like stars films who were like you know m- movies like this was lightning in a bottle. It was like his really his first film. Actually, definitely it was his first film. Um, he made some appearances on Robot Chicken. Nice. Um, he was in the Benchwarmers, which was like a commercial hit, but a terrible film. Um, he was a voice in Monster House, which is great, by the way. Have you ever seen Monster House from back in the day? Uh, no. Oh man, I showed I showed my my daughters that, and they were they are in love with it. It's so good. It's it's kind of scary. Like it's actually kind of like, you know, like it'll get you a little bit. It's pretty pretty spooky. Um, but he he supplied a, a, a voice cast in that uh, School for Scoundrels, which was like kind of like his first lead role again since this movie so he, he got the lead role with billy Bob, across from billy bob thornton not a good response for that movie did not do particularly well um i don't know if it's any good i've never seen it blades of glory with then now he's across from will ferrell right so he's in the he's mm-hmm. in there now you're talking 2007 he's he's starring second lead with will ferrell like after getting a thousand bucks after getting, yeah after getting a thousand bucks for this little movie um which Blades of Glory is pretty funny. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, it's definitely not like the best piece of, uh, you know, it's not the greatest film ever made, very obviously, but it's 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 funny. It's definitely still funny. Um, he pops into My Name is Earl. Um, let's see. He does. Uh, he obviously supplies the Napoleon voice for the animated series. Um, not a whole lot since then, though. I mean, he's been a lot of TV work, done some shorts, um, but kind of, you know, sort of kind of dissipated a little bit or across time. You know, he's not, not, not quite not been in a ton since then. Um, but who knows? You never know. These these kinds of actors will always like resurface later in their careers and have a renaissance, um, especially when you know they can be funny like this. guy. This dude can definitely be funny. Um, right. So, yeah. What else we got, Errol? Um you got anything else you want to hit, or should we move right into the uh, rating and, and close it out? Yeah, no, just like a couple things. Like, um, okay. So I really like, uh, like, cause the whole time, like, you, you get like that everyone's just kind of posturing, like it's, everyone's just kind of like lying and like, right, just building themselves up to be like better than they are, and in the end, like, it ends up being like good for a lot of the people, like it, in being genuine to themselves, uh. Mm-hmm it almost uh, becomes like self-fulfilling. So like in the beginning, like uh, Kip's like, 
I've been talking to my girlfriend LaFonda all day. Like you guys are just jealous, and you're, and you're <laughs> no, like, we didn't even talk about LaFonda yet. Yeah, you're like, shut the hell up. No, you're not. And then like <laughs> he finally like saves up the money, and then like she just comes off the bus, and then they just dude, they're in love with each other. I'm like, that's fucking. <laughs> it's great. It is. <laughs> so he's the only person at the bus stop, and so. Like just rinky dink town, just holding up the Lafonda. She just drops her <laughs> bags and runs to. Oh man, it's amazing! It's truly amazing. Um, yeah, we did not talk about Lafonda. We didn't yeah, really talk no. about the, uh, the 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 female actors in the film too. You had uh, Hillary Duff's sister is in there, Haley Duff. She plays Summer, um, who's kind of mean, not kind of mean, just just straight up mean um to uh pedro and and she like goes out of her way to write a note to say no what did you think about the mom being like you are going to the dance with that boy uh trisha's mom i thought that was so i thought that was funny that was kind of funny i thought I, did you agree with her do you think that's like that's some old school parenting right there well like, yeah no exactly like there it was like the business part of it and then yeah she but she said it so stern like she knew that like napoleon was like a mess yeah, and then she was just like, "I don't care, you're gonna do it." And then she just like didn't go to the dance. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's she went there and just totally ditched him. Yeah, and he's like, "I didn't see her." That was definitely a moment where you definitely feel like some sympathy for Napoleon because you were just like, "Oh, that sucks, man. That hurts." Um, I mean, honestly, I thought I um, I, I wanted him to go with Summer the whole time. Really? Or no? Not, sorry, not not Trisha, Summer, but, um, or not yeah. Trisha. The um, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Deb. Right. Jeez. Yeah. I and then um, but I thought it was just I was like it's a win either way. He gets to tell people that he's going with what's her name. Mm-hmm. And then I mean it's she doesn't. It kind of sucks for her because like it, it is Napoleon. So I feel for her, but at least he got to say like he had a date. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that's that's who like it seemed like she he belonged with was uh was Deb. She was uh. Yeah, she was, and she she was really sweet. She was like a sweet, sweet, nice girl. So, um, yeah, good performance from her too. I thought she her acting was pretty good. I think everybody's acting was really good in this. There was nobody who was like who went too too over the top, or you know. I think everybody kind of nailed it, just generally speaking. Um, yeah, <laughs> especially especially Uncle Rico with that fucking steak throw was just fucking money. Just to think, like the first thing would. <laughs> The first thing with Deb kids, just like your mom goes to college. <laughs> his his reaction. There is so much physical comedy in that in that scene where he's just like, oh, and then he just kind of like turns his head to the side, like so proud of himself. Like, right. <laughs> what is that? Just oh roasted God. her. Uh, he was really proud of his performance there. It's fucking great. Um. Anyways, uh, okay, let's uh, let's do this. Uh, do you have do you have any other like big ones you want to hit, or let's should we move? Uh, we'll take a quick break and go to uh, go to ratings. Yeah, I think that sounds fair. All right, let's do it. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. When we come back, we're gonna give our rating and a short review for the 2004 cult classic that is the Bowling Dynamite. We'll be right back.
Okay, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, listeners, we are, we've been talking Napoleon Dynamite, 2004, big film, um, in terms of comedy, in the comedy landscape. It kind of, you know, if any other year, it might have been the, like the comedy film of the year, but in 04, it had a lot of competition, as we talked about at the top of the show. Um, but we're going to move into it. We've talked the film, um, we've talked about, a, about as much of the film that we can probably get to um like i said pretty small budget film not a huge production see you know there's not there's not a whole lot to talk about and i think we hit pretty much most of it anyway so but a really influential film a really sweet little film and um just a just a really really nice piece of uh filmmaking out of 2004 out of the independent film you know regime of that time um so Errol, why don't you kick us off as per usual? We customarily start with you um, in terms of the rating and give us a short review. What do you think of the film? And hit us with your rating. I think you're muted. You, you thought correctly. I thought short correct review. as per usual. All right. You, you, I swear you do that every time with ratings. Every time, it's like it's like a it's like a, a, a tradition. <clears throat> It's the uh, it's the uh, dramatic effect. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's that build. All right, go yeah. ahead. What's your? Give us a short little review of the film. What you thought about the film? What it means to you? And then hit us with a nice re- uh, rating for it. Short little uh, review. Yep, it's just a uh, coming of age film about a uh, a uh, awkward uh, teenager and his uh, his awkward uh, group of friends. And um, it's just a. Uh, you get you get to watch them grow, and you get to see a little piece of the town, and uh, you know how they're uh, how they're. Uh, I don't I don't know what year of high school they would have been in. Probably maybe seniors. Yeah, he seems senior like or junior. I think. Yeah, it's, it's got to be one of the two. Yeah, so like their uh, latter years of uh, high school, and um, you know, just uh, I think. It's I don't it's it's weird because I don't want to call it like a like a feel good movie but it I think it is I think, I think uh, so too I was just saying during the break that like it's it's got like when he ends that dance routine and kind of runs off expecting everybody to kind of laugh at him and then they stand up and applaud him like that is that's a definitionally a feel good ending right and not that right. that's the very end but it's close enough to the end of the film that like it, it feels great just winning the whole uh, winning the whole. Um thing just from dancing yeah he won the school over too yeah definitely a feel-good movie i think you're right on i think that's true so hit us what's your uh what, what would you give for a rating you got to give our give us a rating out of 10 um i think this uh i think this movie um it's i can't think of anything that's similar to it um, and it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's such like an iconic piece for me. Like it is, um, it's like it's like both barrels funny. Like it's just all the time, just like it, it's it's so it's weird because it's like it's not trying that hard. Like you know what I mean? But it still True. like accomplishes yeah. like so much with so little. Um, I I think it's a masterpiece. Ooh, I, I'm sensing like a a big rating right now. It's like it's it's like it's like pouring out of you. Just go, just do it, hit it, pull the trigger. Yeah. 
What are you going? Yeah, no, this uh, this movie's really important to me. This is a uh, this is a ten out of ten. Oh my god! Wow! Whoa! Sheesh! Wowza! All right, ten out of ten for Arrow from the Napoleon Dynamite. God damn, son! You really like this movie, yeah? Well, yeah, listen, I, you, you picked this movie. I'm not surprised to hear that. This this movie clearly is like very important to you because you you did pick it for the podcast. So, ten out of ten. Okay. Um, I suppose that means it's my turn. Um, I too find the film to be, um, I wouldn't say it's important to me. I would say that the film, like um, it represents a time in my life. I remember when this film came out, I remember loving it when, when I was a kid. Um, I was 12 when it came out and I saw it right when it came out. I didn't see it in theaters, but as soon as it was available for like at home rental or DVD, I definitely owned a copy of it. Um, I've, I, I've definitely seen the film you know, quite a few times, especially that first, like I said, that first 40 minutes is just cooking. It's just absolute money. Like it is just so funny. Scene after scene after scene is so funny. Um, it does lose me a little bit um, about 20, 20 to 25 minutes in. I will also say that like um, the other, not that this isn't a, I want to, I want to give a glowing review of the film. Cause I actually do think it is like a very special movie um, in a lot of ways. Cause you hit the nail on the head. There's really not a whole lot. There's not many films like it, if any, um, I would say though that the uh, that twenty that twenty minutes in the middle where like they're kind of plot building and it kind of just loses the steam of of what made it so like funny. Um, just like it was being it was being funny in these very small little ways, and then it kind of like try, started maybe trying to do a little too much. I also think um, that the film. Um, having not seen it in like over a decade and then rewatching it, it was really funny. I don't know how funny I'd find it um, on repeat viewings in like short order, like taking 10 years off and watching it is like perfect. Cause I feel like I couldn't remember what was going on and what was going to happen next. Cause I just hadn't seen it in so long. So it was like kind of watching it like brand new, um, which was a great experience, but I do, I do think I, it might lose me on a second viewing. Um, but it is a special film. It's a cult classic from an era in which comedies were just, just absolutely firing on all on all cylinders. Um, it, it's it stands the test of time for sure because it is still funny to this day. Um, probably on, by virtue of the fact that it's it the way it looks and the characters within it kind of exist in their own world at their uh, like a different time and space. Um, but a, a definitely a special film alongside Anchorman and Dodgeball and Along Came Polly and Wedding Crashers and Old School and all these films and 40-Year-Old Virgin, all these like so, great comedies that came out in that era in that like 2003 to 2005 range were just so, they were just so amazing. And it was just a great time to be, listen, I, I've said this a million times before, um, maybe not on the podcast, but definitely to people I know, I always will contend that like <clears throat> people our age, Errol, if you were born in the early nineties, you really got very, very, we got so lucky with our comedies. Cause there was this huge comedy boom at the beginning of the two thousands. And it's like, man, it, there's nothing more special than being 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old and growing up with films like old school anchorman, um, uh, knocked up super bad. Like these movies, these comedies, these raunchy, hilarious comedies, were like really special, but then we mm -hmm. had films like this and we had little Miss sunshine and Juno 
and like there were these independent indie films right that were, really that were sweet. like yeah and you had team america and Shaun of the dead that had like well, team america not so much but Shaun of the dead definitely had some heart in it and it was like it was a strange comedy but a different and a different like a, a different beat well that's um, the thing too um like i think Shaun of the dead is like technically like probably the funniest movie that's my favorite comedy ever made. I think it's technically Easy. the funniest movie of all yeah. time. Like that's that the only things that really come close to that is like the uh like airplane and like, yeah, airplane like, where it's just, like literally a every there everything is a joke. Every goddamn thing that happens in that movie is a joke. Yeah. I mean and and for that, like, you know, is Napoleon Dynamite that? I don't think so. Not for me. Um for me, I'm I'll give my rating um for me, it's a 7.5 and I only give it a 7.5 and that, that's Listen, I'm like flipping the, I'm flipping the switch on you. Like, I think I gave the shining a, a 9.5 or a 10 and then you gave it a 7.5. I'm like, I was like is that what this feels like? You, you and I are reversing. <laughs> yeah. It hurts you. It hurts you. Like, like, damn. Yeah. Cause when you gave shining a 7.5, you hurt me and now I got to hurt you back. But I actually is my genuine rating. I had it like in my head before going into the film. Um, and I was like, huh, okay. I remember this being about a 7.58 range for me. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, it was really pleasantly spread. And I was like, oh shit. It was like the first 40 minutes. I was like, oh, you know, this, this movie's trending a lot closer to like, like an 8.5. Like, it's like, it's like really good. And then, and then you watch it in completion and, um, it does have a little bit of heart, um, which, which is great, but it does just have a few flaws that I think are pretty significant. And, um, it has some misses too. There's some moments that are not funny that are aiming to be funny. Um, very few. It's way more funny than it is not funny. Um, mm. But I don't find, I don't find it. It's not deep, right? It's not a deep no. film that you think about. It's just a nice watch. It's a nice watch. And there's no shame in a 7.5. 7.5 is a good rating as far as I'm concerned. It's like you're in the upper 25 percentile, like, you know, that, that upper echelon of, of, of rating. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to kind of like, uh, try to justify a 7.5. Cause I actually think it's a good rating for a good film. And, and oh, as, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, if you're in the 7.5 to eight range for, for a film rating from one of us, that's a good film. Oh yeah. And, and by definition, Napoleon dynamite from 2004, that's a good film. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's from my perspective, it's a good film. I would say that that's the best way to describe it. Would you consider it a great film or is it a 10 out of 10 for you because of how much it means to you? I think it's more so just like because of like the time I like watched it. I'm like, this is um, it was like peak comedy for like the longest time to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it does. It Listen, if it hits you right in this in the feels at the right time, it can last forever. I mean, that's how I feel about the thing. Like I saw the thing. Had a, like a, I was like a, it was like the perfect age. I saw it when I was like a teenager, and I was like, "What is this?" And like, I don't care. That movie's kind of flawed too, but it's just the, it just gets me. It, it, I don't know. It just gives me the warm tinglys. I don't know what it is. Every time it's on, I'm like, "Hell yeah, I love this goddamn movie." It's speaking to me in the ways it needs to. Um, this one speaks to me on a, on it speaks to my funny bone, and that's about it. Um, doesn't like. And a little bit of heart. And I do resonate with the characters to some degree, but like more so it's just like this movie is effectively funny and it, and it is good. It's just a good film. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm. 
Are you are you are you gonna be able to recover from this this pain I've caused you? I'll manage. <laughs> I'll get it back. I'll get it back in blood the next time. Oh, we're gonna do like Shawshank Redemption. You're gonna be like, it's a fucking six. <laughs> right. I was saying earlier, I was like, we're throwing shade if we vote like a six or five. Like that's like Yeah, I mean, well listen, we'll probably at least we'll do enough films that will probably wind up. I can't think days. of I'm trying to think of something that I'm like, it's just a one. Like, oh god, there's a lot of those. Like, it's funny because when you watch films like that, what's a what's a film you hate? Is there a film you genuinely hate? You like, saw it, you're just like, God, I can't. I never want to watch that again. It was terrible. Yeah, see, like nothing I can think of off the top of my head. There's stuff that I would like prefer not to watch, but like I never make it through those movies. If I hate it, I usually just like walk away. I'm just like, ugh, this is terrible. You know what I thought was really overrated? I thought it was like people really liked it, but I thought it was fucking trash was uh, American Hustle. Oh. Did you ever see that with Christian Bale? He kind of plays like a fat guy. No. It's fucking awful, man. I just, I just, I thought that movie sucked. I just thought it sucked so much. It's <laughs> like, and I actually made it through the whole movie and I was just like, man, this is like, this is a solid five out of 10 for me, maybe even a four. I just could not get into it. I just thought it was like, I just wasn't buying any, anything that was being sold to me in that movie, but they're out there and we'll probably talk about some that are bad. Cause um, what Errol and I try to do for folks listening is we try to select films for one another. Um, I'm up next in terms of the film. Um, and uh, we got a big one coming in December, Errol, you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Big time. We're going kind of actually going to be talking about it. I'll uh, let's here's my hint. I'm going to drop a little, uh, little, uh, just a small hint just to titillate the, the listener. We are going to be going back to a filmmaker that we have recently discussed. And we have uh, one of his films on our, uh, in our film catalog. And that's as, that's as much as I'll give you for details, but it's coming in December. Keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, Errol, anything else uh, that you want to uh, talk about Napoleon Dynamite before we move on to uh, what's next in uh, on the pod? Yeah, no, that's that's right around it. I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to give it its good graces. I didn't, there's not like you were saying; it's not really too deep. There's not really a lot to like break down. I just like the uh, like the countercultural spin where he's just like, it's like it's almost like he's like an anti cool guy. Like not an anti-hero, but just like, you know what I mean? Like anti-popular. Like he's extremely like, unique character building for sure. Right. Yeah. And it works. Sure does. Very effective. Very effective. Very funny. Very good film. Like just a solid, solid piece of filmmaking. Glad to cover it. Um, and into the books it goes. So let's talk about what's coming next on the peripheral views podcast. What have we got coming up? Errol, we are going to introduce uh, the history series. Errol, what are we talking about when we kick that thing off uh, in the next week or so? Well, like the freaking craziest thing anyone's <laughs> ever done. Like, yeah. We're, we're going to be talking about a, a physical feats of like uh, strength and endurance uh, throughout Bingo. history. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We're going to talk about, we've got, it's basically a historic. So we've been waiting to kick things off in the, in the uh, history series. I believe we actually might've already announced this in the previous pod, but we'll announce it here again. Um, we're, it's our first entry into the history um, series where we're going to kind of the history series basically is, it's not going to be, you know, tethered to anything, you know, it doesn't have to be 
you know, stereotypically historical. It's just going to be able to, we're going to do a, uh, our, we're going to do research that reaches back across history and kind of put things in a historical context, whatever that may be. It could be a historical event, could be, a, <clears throat> could be, you know, like similar to what we're talking about um, on this next episode, we're, we could, we're going to be talking about feats of human endurance across uh, history and whatever we can, you know, whatever we can happen to stumble upon in our right. research, bring up, but bring up no time. That's like, yeah, bring up stuff that's like still out now. Like, what is it? Like the Ad, Ad Blair stones or Ard Blair? I can't. Those are like big stones that you got to pick up and put on the barrels. Oh, the world's strongest man guys. They're doing that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll reach we'll reach all the way up to to twenty twenty three, going into twenty twenty four slash. We'll go back two thousand years. We'll go back twenty thousand years. If, oh yeah. If there's any um, the goal is to be is that we're just going to try to highlight. It's not going to be in any chronological order. Right. Gonna, we're not going to have a, it's not going to have a, a a very strict format, but we're just going to try to touch upon some of the biggest um, and most impressive feats of human endurance that have ever been um, reported or chronicled across human history. So try to end it on like a high note or something. Probably start with like. You know, just like some modern day stuff, because as you as you know, the the strong men of today like stand on the shoulder of shoulders giants. of like literal giants. Dang so giants, right, right. So like you know, they're just they got a they got all those like uh, health uh they or sorry all those like routines and stuff and like uh we know better about like physiology and also like we like have a yeah anabolic steroids that um definitely right juice like, helps that sauce so. It's um, I feel like uh, people are able to like technically accomplish more, but that doesn't take away from like some of the things that people have done. And I think there's some things that will bring up that people have done that I don't think that anyone even alive is built for. I don't think they could do it anymore. Oh. No, I've, I've already, you know, the research for both of us has already kind of begun. And there are some really, really interesting um there's going to be some really interesting stories that are, we're going to we're going to cover in relation to this this podcast. This is going to be a good one. I'm really excited for this one. Um, I've already started my research on it, as has Errol. So we're we're going to be in the de- developing stages of that. I don't think I'm thinking probably. What do you think, Errol? Probably next Monday. Next Monday we'll drop that. Um, if if not if not uh, next Monday, then that, uh, next like the f- weekend after. Yeah, somewhere somewhere in the next two weeks that might one be will, yeah will might be a little longer because I want to I want to get some nice stuff for this but i have yeah. some i have a couple things in my back pocket yeah 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 and we've still got another week so maybe we'll, we'll either be ready for it next weekend if not keep an eye out within the next two weeks for us to drop that one and then like i said we are shifting right into december after that and we've got a little schedule for december december is going to be we're going to probably push pause i will say this too um we're going to pump them out in december no doubt but we will probably be pushing a pause over the holidays um if you guys don't hear from us would you actually Definitely won't now that I'm actually uh, thinking this through here. Um, happy Thanksgiving, um, listeners. We really appreciate any support you guys have given us, and uh, we really hope you guys all enjoy your uh, your holiday with your families. Um, great holiday. What do you think about Thanksgiving, Errol? Is that one of your uh, top? Is that a top three holidays for in the over over the course of the American year, the calendar year for you? Yeah, I'd probably say so. It's the most humble. You know, I love I mean. that one. It, yeah, you know what's great about it? It's like. It's just it's it's all about just peace and eating. Like, what more do you want? How, how's it? What's there not to like about that? What's there not to like? You got food and peace. 
and like hopefully everybody's household achieves some some peace and rest um on such a holiday it you is know what? and holiday. even if you do have a hectic household sometimes the thanksgivings are lit when like you know yeah. when the drama starts happening so it's like thankful for this you can be thankful for yeah thankfully you're alive to experience it you know mm-hmm. um actually you know i was going to tell you too and I'll, I'll i'll tell you right here on air i actually started uh blood meridian in honor of the uh in honor of the holiday started that started that thing because it's about the um it's about indigenous folk i figured it's like what a what what better time than any to dive in i heard it's it is it's wild they they like i'm telling you that book starts off with a bang like it is it's it's vicious like so i i I think i've said it before um on the podcast but that is i've heard that um that book is like impossible to like it'd be impossible to make a movie of. I think they would have already done it at this point. And it's, it's, I can actually kind of see that I'm not very far into it. I'm only, I'm only like two chapters in, but like, like not, not like impossible, but like, it would just be like very distasteful. I was going to say it's very, it's extremely vicious, like right, right, right out of the gate. The first, probably within the first, um, I don't want to spoil anything. I, I'll try. I'll yeah, try. Don't, don't it, spoilers. It, it, very quick spoiler alert for an entire book that I've only read two chapters of. Um, it's it, it starts off very vicious. There is there is like severe violence within the first twenty pages. Oh well, wow. like like that quick. We kick things off. They lay, they give you the lay of the land and they just get right into it. And there's a character that they like introduce really early that's like pretty pretty interesting. Um, pretty like frightening we'll say that it's a great way to put it but anyways i'll give you i'll give a little review of the blood meridian um you know once i once i make it all the way through the book but i'm pretty excited about it it's a great book so far um anyways so that's napoleon dynamite this has been the peripheral views podcast thank you guys so much for joining us we really appreciate all the support and listenership keep plugging away with us um we're going to keep developing the podcast out outwards and upwards um as we move on if you're looking for us on socials, hit us at, on X at peripheralv123. We are uh, on the streaming platform, soundcloud.com forward slash peripheralviews123. Uh, throw us in the search bar of YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, at Peripheral Views Podcast. If you do, please subscribe. That's super helpful for the analytics. Even more helpful, hit us with a rating and hit us with a positive review. That's great for um, our stature on the social media sites. Uh, we do have a website, peripheralviews.com. Uh, everything's up there, including this episode. Um, every episode we do should be up on that pod, on that website. Um, and if you have any further inquiries that want to reach us more directly, peripheralviewspodcast.gmail.com. That's the place to do it. Send us an email. We do respond expeditiously. So that being said, Daryl, uh, anything else from you? Happy holidays, folks. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll see you on the next round.